Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This episode has been recorded at 8 o'clock on Tuesday the 5th of July. Apologies for the long delay between episodes. Uh, I've been busy with work and regret to say that COVID finally got me, uh, hence my new voice. Um, I'm not going to promise anymore that these episodes will come thick and fast because Murphy's Law will dictate that won't happen. So I won't promise it anymore. Leaving off from where I left off in Cape Town, I'd highly recommend taking a few weeks to properly explore South Africa. And what better way to do this than to travel east and make your way back along the garden route back to Cape Town. Durban is the next stop and having left the Atlantic windswept shores of Cape Town, you'll notice instantly how much more humid and heavy Durban is in comparison along the Indian Ocean. Durban is the third largest city in South Africa and is the capital of the KwaZulu-Natal region. For football fans, Durban was one of the host cities of the World Cup in 2010. Durban sits nestled in the Natal Bay. Archaeological evidence suggests Durban was inhabited by hunter-gatherers from the year 100,000 BC. These hunter-gatherers lived in KwaZulu-Natal until Bantu farmers from the north displaced them. Zulu nation has spread the history of their tribes orally. However, the first written history of colonization came from the time of Vasco da Gama in the late 15th century. Da Gama was exploring routes from Europe to India during this time. Durban is very much based on its port trading area. The port of Durban is one of few natural harbours between Port Elizabeth and Maputo. The port is heavily relied upon for ship repairs also. Durban also has the largest ships passing through, including the RMS Queen Mary II, the biggest ocean liner in the world. Within the port of Durban lies Salisbury Island, which has a naval base, which was established during World War II. There are plenty of activities in Durban, Bermanbush is a nature reserve 8km north of the city. This coastal forest forms part of the Durban Municipality Open Space System. Bermanbush contains three walking trails. At the northern end there is a viewing platform which allows for great views of the Umgemi River from Connacht Bridge to the Blue Lagoon. Some animals seen here in the reserve include velvet monkey, mongoose and porcupine. Durban can also be characterised by its long wooden pier walk with restaurants and bars. If dining out at night it's worth watching out for fork lightning hitting the city's skyscrapers. Leaving the city of Durban and driving a few hours to the West Inlands, you can make your way to Drakensberg or Dragon's Mountain, the highest and widest mountain range in Southern Africa. Drakensberg is the eastern part of the Great Escarpment and encloses the Southern African Plateau. The Great Escarpment straddles the borders of South Africa and Azuthu and stretches a thousand miles. 
The Drakensberg mountain range formed 160 million years ago from lava and today is comprised of basalt, hardened basalt rock at the, at the peaks. Eroded sandstone dominates the bottom edges. The 1000 mile mountain range is home to the eland antelope who ascend up the mountain range each year with their young. The peak reaches a height of 2,000 metres from the valley floor typically. The valleys are quite precipitous. Uchklama, the barrier of spears, is what the Zulu people called this mountain range. The people who travel through the Drakensberg made paintings on the rocks to illustrate the Eland antelope struggles with the Drakensberg mountain range ascent. Calves are born typically in spring, and this is when the lower grasslands are at their most wet, which helps in the adult's milk production. Upon birth, these eland antelope cows must lay low in the meadows. Shakma baboons also inhabit the Drakensberg between the grasslands and the escarpment. Jackals are known to persist in trying to hunt baboon offspring, but are no match for adult baboons. The eland antelope does not just have to contend with the threat of predators, but also the change in weather conditions, which are forever changing. As cold rain and harsh conditions are a threat to the antelope young, the heavy rains can dilute the nutrients in the soil, turning the grass too sour to eat. In effect, the heavy rains bring hunger. The adult's fat reserves will aid them in their journey to the top. If a calf makes it through their first year, then the survival prospects are much higher year on year. Cape vultures are ever so quick to clean up any eland carcasses. The bearded vultures specialize in eating bones and bone marrow. To avail of the bone marrow, they drop the bones from a height to break these bones. The bones are more nutritious than meat the Drakensberg mountain is important for water supply. Dropping 800 meters from the Drakensberg back, this is the source of South Africa's largest rivers. By summer, the eland antelope have climbed hundreds of meters in their pursuit of quality grass in order for the antelope to build up fat reserves. Flowers such as the protea are a sweet nectar flower and their bloom coincides with the emergence of beetles to help pollinate, as the beetle carries dust of pollen from proteus to proteus. The proteus flower also rely on sugar birds, which also help in pollination, as these birds are attracted to the sweet nectar. Summers in Drakensberg can be quite wet, and the eland antelope must keep moving. Unlike the antelopes, however, their baboon counterparts can stay in the mid-ranges, foraging for shoots. The antelope can eat on tree leaves, but must be careful with fire ants who have a painful sting. These fire ants farm aphids for their sugary secretions. The rainfall is so high in the Drakensberg that in the streams the wide-mouthed frog flourishes, preying on crab who scavenge for decaying plants and animals.
The higher up we go, the bigger the congregation of Eland Antelope. They have ascended this far to take advantage of the cooler weather, but also the longer season on the mountain peaks, and more nutrient grass. However, more danger exists in the lightning, which creates bushfires where dry, dry grass is flammable. Fires can drain up the peak at an alarming rate, and some eland do get trapped. Baboons make the most of the sear ground searching for tubers while the going is good. The eland antelope must endure the temperatures that are just above freezing, anywhere up to 3 meters, 3,000 meters up, rain is like snow. The eland must get their fill of grass and retreat as the Antarctic chill is coming. Ice rats flourish up here in the highlands where the rats stockpile seeds. As the eland antelope descend back to the lowlands, they will arrive back to more richer grass. Less than half the calves who make the ascent will survive. This journey will commence again each year, going up the flanks of the Drakensberg, where heavy rain, cold and predators will await. The challenges posed by Drakensberg mountain range also show the strength of the eland antelope. I've been to Drakensberg and can only recommend this natural beauty as a must-see if visiting South Africa's Eastern Cape. The high slopes are hard to reach, so the environment is fairly undamaged. Tourism in the Drakensberg is developing, with a variety of hiking trails, hotels and resorts appearing on the slopes. Much of the higher South African parts of the range have been designated as game reserves or wilderness areas. So that's this episode of the podcast. I do hope to be back much sooner than the last time. Looking out, the cloud is partially lifting and there's a slight breeze. We have not had much of a summer so far, but the weekend ahead looks to be sunnier and warmer, thankfully. We are in for another treat of Gaelic football as the semi-finals draw closer. Galway take on Derry on Saturday, and this one is hard to call. I'm going to marginally tip Galway as they showed a new side to them that I have not seen in Crow Park for donkey's years. In the other semi-final, Dublin take on Kerry on Sunday, which should be a barn burner. Hopefully the Dubs can do it. This may well come down to injuries and availability. If Conor Callan and James McCarthy are fit, then I tip Dublin. Dublin will need to cope with David Clifford and cut supply a ball in by curtailing Morn, Paddy Clifford and O'Shea and Adrian Spillane. It promises to be epic. So until next time, Mind yourself and each other. Goodbye.